All right, so uh, welcome to uh, the uh, Lawrence, uh, City of Lawrence, Douglas County Planning Commission mid-month meeting. Um, this is a hybrid format meeting and I'd like to turn it over to our staff to go through the rules. That's pretty good. You, do. you got a voice for radio. I got a voice for radio. Face for radio too. You're on, you're on the force. Are we good? That's good. Um, so welcome to the uh, Lawrence Douglas County Planning Commission mid-month meeting. This hybrid format meeting. I'd like to turn it over to staff to go through the rules of that meeting. Did I surprise um, you with that? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, um, I don't usually do that particular script, so I don't uh, know if Jeff is if on that one. From memory. I've been doing, sorry, I've been doing it for many years, so it's fine. <laughs> Welcome to the Planning Commission mid-month meeting. Staff will be hosting this via Zoom and also in person here in the room. Uh, the city does reserve the right to mute or turn the video off on participants to help with the streamlining of the meeting. And if you... There will be any questions. All the chats will go to the chat and Zoom facilitator this morning. And with that, be happy to turn it back. Perfect. Perfect. And we're going to bounce back and forth just a little bit. Um, first topic up is uh, going to get a little bit of a look at what's upcoming. Um, and Jeff, uh, you're going to help us with that. Yeah. So we'll start with your December meeting. For those of you who are kind of newer to the planning commission, uh, usually at a mid-month meeting, we give you a, here's what's coming next and here's what's coming in the next month. So we'll talk a little bit about December. We'll talk about what January is looking like at the moment. So December is looking to be, as you know, two nights. Uh, really, the first night will be mainly county items that we will have on the agenda. Um, first item on your docket will be a rezoning from CP to light industrial out at 1700 uh, N02 Road. Um, this one will be familiar to some commissioners who've been here for a while. This one's had to come back a couple of times. Uh, there'll also be a rezoning out at um, E900 Road that'll be a change from AG2 to general business. Um, and that is uh, probably familiar to a few of you if you are familiar with the, the uh, state registered local landmarks. It's a landmark school that is looking to kind of move some uses and, and change some things there. Um, and of course, also on Monday night, we'll be talking about today's topics. So I won't steal any thunder from our group on that one. Um, Wednesday, you will be hearing a uh, consistency finding will be asked of you related to a tax increment financing district, which has not occurred for a, a while in the city, but that one will be coming forward for your review and consideration. Uh, you do have some plats and some variances coming forward. Um, also have a rezoning and a preliminary development plan that are slated to be a tandem project out kind of, uh, it's in the county and kind of going through the annexation process, but it's really about 25th, 26th Green O'Connell Road, if you kind of get your bearings here in town on that one. Is there an annexation associated with that as well? There's an annexation that would have came from the city commission about... Oh, annexation is done. Should be wrapping up, yes. It's been through the, the planning commission. Yep. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Thank so, um, I don't know if that one went through planning commission because it was under 10 acres. It only went direct to city. Okay. So but that is wrapping up in its, its process at the moment. Um, you'll also see a preliminary development plan, which is a, a modification of the existing plan at 6th and Monterey Way. So it'll be kind of in the, not at the intersection, but part of that PCD on the southeast corner of that intersection that's been kind of sitting vacant for a number of years. So a proposal's coming forward for that. And also a special use permit for an expansion of a, of a non-conforming bar use in the downtown district. So 
Got a, got a few things on for Monday. Is that, that uh, on Wednesday? Without, without going too far into that, is that the is that one that's uh, speaks to the grandfathered SUV? Got it. Yeah, it'd be one of it'd be one of those for the red line if you're familiar. Okay. So a few more on Wednesday than on Monday with uh, kind of the thing, but truthfully, the uh, the mid month here it's going to be kind of your introduction to kind of your Monday meeting. And Jeff, so these kind of are the nineteenth and the twenty. Yes, it was on that kind of the fly first. It is, yeah, it'd be Monday the 19th would be the for this items and the ones we talked about, the 21st will be your your longer meeting. And kind of in your look ahead, if I use my crystal ball to kind of predict future a little bit, um, at this point we would predict January to be kind of running on two nights and both be very full. So at the moment, we, we know some cases will probably move around and shift a bit, but at the moment, it's looking like two very full nights in January. Love it. Happy New Year. Um, but that is just kind of the, the camp we got for the moment for December and January. Thank okay. you. Any any thoughts, questions on that, team? I'm curious, are there uh, any particular items you've gotten unusual amount of communication or feedback from the public on? Uh, today's. One that you heard today for, for wind, I think, has been a big one. Um, you know, we're still going through a little bit. I haven't heard a lot of communication on the others. I think the one that is probably also going to be in that boat would be the, the conformance finding request for the TIF district because there, it is a your role is, is a small sliver of a lot of moving parts, and it's hard to get a handle on the wholeness of that project. And so there will have some, I think there'll be some communication. Yeah. It is related to the KU Crossing project, which is the northwest corner of 23rd and Iowa Street. Right. That's what I thought it was. Yep. So that one I think would probably have some, some communication and probably some discussion. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Any other thoughts or questions or comments? All right, with that, we'll go to our regular part of the agenda and the study session. Uh, we're here today to focus primarily, exclusively, on, uh, according to your agenda, on uh, the wind regulations. And that's a topic that uh, we've just learned is going to be on uh, Monday's agenda. So with that, I'll turn this over to staff. I have three great members of the team here to talk us through and answer questions. Thank you. Well, good morning. I'm Sandy Day. I'm one of the planners. Cece Riley um, literally is the right hand of this project. Um, she came to us from Boone County, Missouri, and has extensive knowledge in this field. So we are incredibly fortunate to be able to draw on that. If any luck, you've had some time to peruse um, the proposed draft regulations um, we're going to take a very high level to look at these regulations this morning. Um, we've got a finite amount of time to go through a lot of things. So um, we've distributed for the people here in, in the office um, some papers for questions. Um, if you kind of hang on to them, let us get through presentation as much as we can. Um, hopefully we're not going to lose you through this presentation. Um, and then whatever time we have, we'll answer questions. Just for forget everybody, there is a hard stop on, on this meeting because there's another meeting coming in right after it in the room here. So okay. keep that in mind. Okay. So um, with that, uh, we want to make sure that we're starting out with kind of a common 
um, base of what exactly is it that we're talking about. Um, WEX or wind energy con conversion systems is, um, is the correct term. Uh, as we look at this, you'll hear wind, wind mills, wind turbines, a lot of that is kind of interchangeable. Um, but, but this is really the definition we're working through, um, through the code language as we go forward. Um, so shared definition from the previous regulations passed in 2016, as well as the um, grand like, entire United States as a whole, WAX is actively seen as what they're called. So kind of how did we get here? Um, this really kind of all goes back to the work um, that started coming forward in 2013. We started getting some requests from a particular energy provider. They were wanting to do some uh, broad testing in Douglas County, and we started seeing requests for what are called MET towers or meteorologic towers. Um, they're quite tall. Uh, they have equipment to measure that uh, wind and atmospheric uh, data. And we did not have in the county regulations at the time anything that spoke to wind energy as a particular land use. So we would use the most similar land use. And at that time, we called that out as um, communication towers. So how we would review um, the MET tower was the same process that we would use to review um, a telecommunication tower. Um, wasn't a great fit, but it was the best fit that we had at the time. And then and that it was a tall thing. Yeah. Tall thing, tall structure. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, the county commission also um, did a pretty detailed study session. Again, I want to say this is 2013, 2014. Um, really started looking at wind energy as land use. There, there was some motions out there in the county that, that there's a company interested in coming. Um, and then the county commission actually adopted a moratorium to allow staff to actually draft language to create um, what we have in the code today for wind energy. And we have the two types. We had the small or the personal uh, WEX that would be for the home or the business or the farm. Um, and then we have kind of these large commercial scale, what we think of as wind farms. Um, the regulations that were created and adopted into the code because the code was silent uh, before that, it's uh, there wasn't a prohibition in the code and there is not a prohibition in the code today for wind energy. It is a recognized land use in the code. Um, the way the code is set up is really pretty brief. It relies very heavily on the conditional use permit process to assess setback and impacts and overall height um, within the context of that. Um, skip forward several years, you move forward with the um, solar farm regulations. And through that, uh, in January of this year, so it's taken us this long to get to this point, um, directed staff to revisit the wind regulations and bring more alignment with that set of regulations to the work that was done for solar. So that was kind of um, 
the framework of where we started this work. And then we've also spent a lot of time looking at best practices, making sure we're using good common language, really drawing heavily on the work that CC has done previously um, on this topic. Um, if you notice, you know, the, the current regulations, they're not very long. There's not a ton to them. Um, we provided you with what, 28 pages of text to look at this. Um, so yeah, the revised language. So want to jump in here? Sure. With that, part of why the revised draft language is so much longer is because we, like Sandy said, substantially leaned on the solar regulations and that setup as well as really heightening um, a few key parts of the regulations to emphasize things such as um, providing a basis for public discussion, creating a thorough permit process, um, identifying you know, environmental impacts, um, visual impacts, noise impacts, as well as making sure that the new regulations would um, supply a strong set of standards for reclamation and decommissioning of those turbines. It was both through the community input and concerns that we've received thus far that led that, as well as reading through what other regulations had in their language that we thought would be beneficial for the county. The purpose statement in the regulations called out each of these bullets in front of you. We really tried to make sure that we were very forward with why are we writing these regulations? What are we hoping that it accomplishes? So much, much like the existing regulations, we still would be permitting these kinds of land uses through the conditional use permit process. So that's the piece that really brings in that uh, public commentary part of the process. Um, we've, we've restructured some of the naming a little bit to bring it a little bit more in alignment with how the industry works. Um, in the in the original language, we called them out as small um, uh, wax, and they're renamed as personal wax. So you have a little bit more clar clarifying language in the proposed uh, text and the process for those. Those are something that can go straight to a building permit through the county as an accessory structure um, versus the commercial wax projects. Um, those are going to be the bulk of where the regulations that we're proposing are located. So this is an overview of the entire 28 pages. It starts with definitions. Previously, there were only, I think, five definitions, one of which was the entirety of the small wax regulations. So we really sought out um, giving a lot more information both to the community and to staff as far as how do we define certain things. And then personal wax is that first set of regulations. And then as Sandy mentioned, the commercial wax has a significant portion of the regulations that we'll see And throughout the presentation, we're not highlighting each of those, I call this the table of contents. We're not highlighting each of those pieces but we are highlighting the major changes. 
but this is just sort of the structure of the entire regulation, which matches solar. Right. So we this this is one of the examples where you see that alignment between the solar and the wind regulations. Um, thinking of it as a table of contents, um, one of those one of those significant pieces is that key considerations. Um, that was uh, where we spent a bulk of time, both uh, you're seeing Cece and I, and I'm not sure if county zoning staff is on the line or not. Um, we met weekly with them anywhere from two to almost four and a half hours um, for the most part, going through line by line structure, uh, every piece of this that you can think of. So county staff was intimately involved in this process as, uh, as well as CCNI. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So um, this next slide and sort of that first part of the regulation we're talking about after definitions is the personal wax. The um, county had a very strong interest in um, strengthening the personal wax because if someone had come to them with a windmill for their property, they didn't have a lot of regulations to use. They weren't quite sure when they were trying to set standards. And so we tried to make it as clear as possible. So some of the regulations are the same as the previous 2016 adopted, such as the cumulative maximum power rating, 50 kilowatts. I am by no means an electrical engineer, but it's, I understood from the general internet that 50 kilowatts was well enough to run a home, run a small farm. It can be either one larger, more, yeah, too large, we have maximum height standards, but one larger turbine or a couple of them. We set did, up. Did we have a personal and a small scale solar? It's small scale solar. Do you remember what we had for output on that? We have an output limit on. Hey, Michael, do we have an output on that? No, it's yeah. done by size, acres. It was acreage size. Okay. Mm. All right. Thanks. Sorry. For site. So we're not calling it out necessarily by property lines because we understand there are some farms that are made up of multiple um, lots, but we're saying staff will have discretion in looking at a site to understand, are they really trying to make it more of a commercial effort or is it an understood this 50 kilowatts is used for whatever they have on that property. Another piece of regulations is setting a maximum height. The county was interested in that and chose this number. How tall is your average? windmill for it greatly varies both on age and mm -hmm. um, what their intent is so if you're going to buy a new windmill to draw water today if even people even do that um, yeah those wind pumps of sorts i'm not sure and i think there's also a significant cost change between maybe a more efficient smaller system versus one that might take up more room under the um, we can look into that for sure um some of the other things called out in the personal work section is that all of the power has to be used on the site. It we really highlighted that it cannot end up as a commercial. You can't sell it to your neighbors. Correct. You can sell it back to utility. Correct. Not in excess of what we've assigned as the maximum power rating. Subject to building permits, subject to um, setbacks, some of the zoning district and some the height of the windmill. Any other pieces? No, that was, you know, again, it, the county staff was 
very concerned and wanting to be very deliberate that the personal WECs are for personal use, that there's not this end run to try and have a commercial enterprise um, or have multiple farms come together and try to circumvent um, the wind farm regulations at the, at the commercial aspect of it. So that's part of where um, some of those things were, were derived from, so. What about that mid-range, the community, community solar community wind? Isn't there a mid-range in the solar regulation? I, I couldn't speak to that. Um, that's something we can we can check on, but that uh, we we've made a bright line in the regulations between what is personal and what is the commercial generation. There's not a middle ground in these regulations. If that's something that the commission wants to explore, if you jot that down, um, I don't want to get too sidetracked with with questions just yet because there is a lot we want to get through okay. and we want to spend some time Sorry. on a couple of of things. So. So now moving on to the commercial commercial wax portion of the presentation and the regulations. Um, the content of application is a significant key change. Previously, the application was split in the previous regs between development slash site plan requirements and supplemental information. There wasn't a very clear, what do you give staff on the front end? And so we're asking a lot. We're asking for a concept plan, a lighting plan, strong assessments of environmental, visual, noise, uh, impacts, asking for traffic studies and road maintenance agreements. Some proposed plans, decommissioning plan will need to have a significant portion um, of county legal staff look over it and some other pieces that will be sure to have reviewed by various other agencies. We had all those agencies review it on the front end. We made sure that the application we were asking for on the um, draft regulations met some of the standards or some of the things that, such as emergency services, um, we're so looking for. Yeah, and before you, before we leave this, one of the things that we also did at the staff level, um, we have we have worked with um, emergency services in Douglas County, asking them for a review of this. Chief Baxter was our primary contact. We've worked with county legal. They've looked through the regulations a couple of times. There's nothing um, hugely glaring, at least at this point, that um, that is frightening. We've tried to reach out to different um, professionals. We've we've talked with um, actually the city's consultant for. Um, the airport. Um, now, their interest is for Lawrence Airport, but how this impacts other, um, you know, private airfields. So, so we've tried to dig into that a little bit. And then we've also reached out to um, Parks and Wildlife um, and a couple of other um, agencies to look at a little bit of, of that in terms of how this kind of land use affects um, local conditions as far as um, plants feel. And that, that gets a little bit into the deep. So you you referenced FAA on lighting, um, but you also referenced FAA on, on location relative to other airfields. Kind of that, about. We don't, we don't, they, at the local yeah. level, we we don't try to manage our um, 
implement FAA regulations. The right. applicant absolutely has to go through that process, um, both in siting the location as well as as the lighting. So we'll we'll touch on the lighting here in a little bit in terms the of the what that is. To that, pardon the regs point to. <laughs> yeah, and then we require that they um, acknowledge FAA requirements and state what they may be. Oh, um, gotcha. This puts a lot of um, the company proposing, the applicant proposing uh, wind farm release give us a lot of information. One thing I can share about the FAA regulations is the process to review that is a two-step permit process. So you submit a preliminary permit and then you submit for a final permit. And it is a pretty lengthy review by FAA and they go through a lot of detail to it. So it's, you know, all we need to do in our code is really reference that because this, the federal regulations take control and preempt a lot of stuff that we would envision as part of it. So we have various examples of other reasons why we chose some of the pieces of the application, but for sake of time, I'm interested in moving forward. We can come back to it if we have time later. Um, the next handful of slides all identify key changes. So sort of how we talked about at the beginning, our interest is in bringing to you sort of what are those main numbers? What are the things we're looking for at Planning Commission to really think about and make a decision? One of those things within the design standards is the setback. So previously the setback was 110% of the height to property lines and 1,500 feet to any dwelling. Part of what we've proposed through looking at best practices, other regulations, and just having a general understanding that we really want to emphasize that there's both the difference between participating property owners, which we define in the regulations as folks who have you know, a vested interest, maybe they've signed a lease sort of things with the turbine company and the non-participating property owners and highlighting that we are interested in protecting those non-participating property owners as much as possible. So previously with the regs, regulations, having 1,500 feet from any dwelling, we had some community concern about there's a turbine site and you buy the property next door, then that turbine site 1,500 feet is limiting where a house might go on a property that isn't being financially benefited by that turbine site. With the proposed regulations, we have um, 1,500 feet from a participating property owner's residence or any other occupied structure that might be a garage that your nephew lives upstairs, um, and then 1,500 feet from the property line of a non-participating property owner. So 1,500 feet from a property line then means that non-participating property owner has regulations based on the underlying zoning district as far as setbacks go, but it's not being impacted the same as it previously was with the originally adopted regulations. And in addition, we have 110% of the total height and any public roads or right of ways. And that, that was something that is of concern, and we, get, we see this in telecommunication towers as well, that if there's a catastrophic event, how is the public infrastructure protected? So that's been in there for a while to have that kind of a setback from uh, roads. And as with any CUP, the Board of County Commissioners will have flexibility um, to make greater setbacks or make determinations based on the site itself. But 
we hope that this gets out of some of those. But that's also part just of the normal CUP Correct. process. When it comes to the planning commission, we can look at that also. And then the county commission yes. can right. yeah, you are, do that too. You are in the advisory right. role as a conditional use permit. This is one of my favorite graphics that CC brought forward. It really, and she'll she'll walk through all of all of these different components of it, but I think it's a very helpful graphic to understand and kind of put together these different things that we're talking about, a participating property and non-participating property, and you know, kind of these base setbacks and then additional setbacks. Be clear, a participating property is someone who's getting paid. A non-participating property is someone who's not getting paid. In short. Depending on depending on your perspective, though, everyone's participating in this, in that it's there. Yes. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So with the graphic scene in front of you, the triangles are, uh, this is a very much um, artificial site. It didn't base us off any land that exists in the county. It didn't base us off any proposed anything. It's just sort of a, in a box, and then I started putting stuff into that box. So the triangles are turbine sites. The blue and the pink represent setbacks. Pink being what it must be to a roadway or to a street, and blue being that 1500. So, whether that's uh, participating, the white sites, or a yellow non participating. Um, some of the things I'd like to highlight within this graphic. So, the white, all participating. Who's to say if they're the same property owner or if they're all just folks that have entered an agreement? So, within this site, this turbine, it can go within this participating property owner's property. However, there is a hard line here. It could not be any more north or west based on setbacks alone. Similarly, it cannot be any more south or west. Site such as this, could it be any closer to this road? It's running right up to 110% of that. And these setback examples. Could you click into the 110% height setback? I'm not sure I'm following that. So there's a regulation that 110% of the total height of the structure, so say it's max, gotcha. 300 feet tall, it has to be 330 feet. Away um, from the road. A road or Thank street. you, super Correct. sorry, thank you. Thank no, you for that. all is well. I'm definitely recognizing the clock and then moving <laughs> too fast. Um, but this is set alone. This isn't uh, recognizing potential floodplain, potential bird, migratory, migratory yeah. corridors, bats, all that sort of stuff. This is just intending to highlight that we set some pretty strong setback standards. So in practicality, we would see something like this, and then we would start to refine that based on the other studies that would be um, provided by the applicant. So if there's regulatory floodplain um, that they cannot physically put the structure, if there are other uh, environmentally sensitive lands uh, for, for some category, um, if there is something in the wildlife reports that have to be uh, protected. So this is our starting point um, that we would look at, and then it is going to get refined from there. 
So the next slide starts to go into another key change within design standards, which is um, previously regulations did not have any discussion of a maximum height or permitted height. The regulations we proposed do have that staff recommendation. So um, in the existing regulations, it would have relied heavily on the conditional use permit process to identify through that permitting, through that public review, that public hearing, what would be the maximum height. The applicant would uh, make their application for whatever it is that they're looking for. We would try to review it and give you a staff recommendation of that. And then through that public commentary, um, we'd probably be adjusting the height. And it really doesn't give any assurance or expectation to the applicant for staff or for the public. And so um, this, this is a big clarifying point in the proposed regulations. That's 262 feet. Is that, what's the, what's the normal size for wind turbines right now? Well, there isn't uh, <laughs> normal. There, it is a uh, wide bearing, but so, um, Appreciate your math. I was just about to Google what is it. I'll think instant conversions, but yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at, so, I just um, did that 110 to 140 meters are often preferred for more moderate winter speed regions. Okay, oh, well, hang, hang on sorry. to this. I know this is, this is <laughs> <just> not, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to, you know, jot, jot your question down and we're probably going to answer it. Okay. Um, and, and this is a, this is a big thing. So this is why we want to spend a little bit of time giving you the background um, what it is and, and how we're getting there. So 80 uh, meters is how the industry measures. And that was also something that was important for us um, when we were working through the regulations to make sure that we're using commonly accepted terms. We're not getting uh, tricky and fancy and creating uh, new new titles and labels decimals and whether they yeah round up or round down so part of um this permitted height section within the design standards yes it both uh, mentions meters but it also mentions hub height the hub is a defined term in the regulation and it's also if you think about tower sites with the blades coming off of it it's that center where the blades rotate from it is how within the industry turbines are sold and referenced within spec sheets. They call out the hub height, and then you do math to figure out the maximum height. With that, so staff is proposing to have um, a maximum hub height of 80 meters as measured by manufacturer specification, and then goes on to say that the county commission may approve greater heights, but not greater than 110 meter hub height. I'll go into sort of how staff came to that recommendation and what that means. But there's a document that was heavily relied upon. It's a study by the U.S. Department of Energy, which goes into the cost-benefit analysis of increasing turbine heights versus energy that's output. The uh, um, other piece of information that was relied upon was thinking about the character of this kind of about the character of the aircraft. Made this graphic in short, just to sort of give a visual representation to, I know I can't think of 80 meters off the top of my head. So the um, chart overall, so I have feet on the right-hand side because that is how 
we all probably primarily think. And on the left side, meters, because that's what's been discussed. Right. The hub heights, the campanile's at the far bottom left. You'll see it's about 120 feet. The grain elevator up in North Lawrence, I called a lot of people to figure out how tall that was. <laughs> 130 feet. Transmission tower, this isn't a specific site in Douglas County, but it's just, you know, if you're driving down the road and you see a transmission tower and you think, dang, that thing's tall. It's probably about 150 feet. Those are the taller side of those. And then first you'll see an 80 meter turbine that's determined by hub height. So the question as far as how tall, if it's 80 meters, what can the maximum height be? What does that look like? There are three major manufacturers of turbines in the U.S. They make up more than 75% of the market. It's GE, Vested, and Siemens. Each of those different turbine manufacturers makes turbines of varying, although they may all have 80-meter hub heights, varying length or width blades. So I took a study sample of about 20 turbines and averaged across all of them, what was their average maximum height, across all of them, what was their average minimum clearance. So you'll see here of that, again, random sampling, about 442 feet maximum height of the tippy tippy top. And then clearance wise, how low does it get to the ground? About 77 feet. We go to then what we're saying as the, or what we're proposing as the maximum permitted height, the, or, maximum permitted hub height, it does substantially go up as far as how tall can that get, nearly 600 feet. And then with that, there is a higher clearance of 135 feet, but how tall that tip gets, it's pretty dang tall. And the tallest structure both in the St. Louis area in Kansas City, the arch, and then uh, a structure called One Kansas City Place. Okay. After drawing this, Little one Kansas City place. Now, every time I drive into Kansas City, I see it immediately. Um, we will be posting this presentation on our website um, for folks to use later, but it is likely that the tallest structure in Kansas is probably a wind turbine. I couldn't call out exactly where that was or which turbine site that might be, but considering it's Kansas City that has the tallest standard structure, who's to say how tall the tallest turbine is? And uh, I did. I did do some some quick checking, and I'll have to figure out where I put it in my in my notes. Um, we have a number of cell towers uh, in the county, in Douglas County, and we've got a few that are up upwards of a um, thousand feet in Douglas County. So um, there is one. It's a broadcast tower located at seventeen sixty one North Eleven Hundred Road. Um, it's a guy tower, so that's the one with the cables coming down from it. Um, it was originally constructed um, probably in the 60s. It was uh, 1,300 feet tall. Um, it was reduced in height. They took off the top section, brought it down to 975 feet in 2006. So we've got a couple, not a ton. We do have... Um, a few 300-foot uh, wireless telecommunication towers in Douglas County. The tallest building in Kansas is 385 feet. Did you get the tower that's on campus? Pardon? The tower that's on campus that we all see and don't see because it's just there. It's been yeah. here, which is like 
And I didn't. I didn't. That's around six hundred. I didn't pull up the things that are in the city limits. Oh, I looked I, that one up before. It's around yeah. six hundred and ten. So, what is? We're gonna keep going with sites here. So, um, these are some resources I don't expect us in the next fifteen minutes to have time for. But um, just to highlight. There is an interactive map of existing turbine sites across the entire U.S. It's a publicly available database. We've linked to it on the lawrenceks.org slash windregs website. If you're interested in seeing, you know, I've driven down I-70 and I'm curious how tall is that tower by insert location. You can look those things up. Um, additionally, just some information about the random sampling and the turbine manufacturers. In addition to that, so the map at the top right, I won't spend too much time on, but it's a map that's shown within the document we use to sort of discuss that 80 to 110 and make that determination. The lightest color, that gray color, this map is saying that that is the most cost-effective height, cheapest hub height, uh, LCOE is just a levelized cost of energy, meaning how much did it cost them to both build the turbine, fix the roads afterwards, have those sort of uh, infrastructure changes versus how much energy were they getting out of it. So you can see a primary portion of that western part of the U.S. is gray. The next color, that light blue. Whenever I look at Kansas, I'm only seeing gray and light blue. Um, you don't really start to see green until that, again, the green and blue, they're very close. It's hard to see the contrast there, but the green is primarily in the southeast portion, that 140-foot uh, hub height. And again, we'll provide more information on this, both on the website, in packets that we give y'all, and in the meeting we're having next week. I don't mean to zoom past this too fast. It is an important discussion. It's really good information. I appreciate it. Fantastic. So another key change within the regulations is that we're proposing, um, think back to that uh, table of contents, both design standards and performance standards. The design standards being, what does that initial uh, site, siting phase look like? How tall can they be? What's the setback? What are other information pieces that the applicant and staff need to know on where things are being proposed? And then the performance standards are throughout the entire life of the project, how is it acting and how do we make sure that it's not acting out of compliance? And if it is, it's setting up regulations so that staff can take action, failure to comply with any of those performance standards, maybe grounds for suspension, amendment, or revocation of the CUP. So this is a section of the code that gives staff some teeth. This is the piece where staff can go in and say, here's what you told us you were going to do. Here's what was approved. Are you really doing what you said you were going to do? That is, is the piece of this next section. And all of these pieces tie back to those key factors. You know, if you said you were going to do this in lighting, here's what is required. You said you were going to do this in sound. Here's you know, are you doing those things? So there's parity all the way through the regulations. So are there supposed to be? I think we did. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um, another key change, this is within performance standards, so we're sort of moving from that siting standard to performance standard. Um, staff is recommending um, 
All turbines and accessory structures must follow FAA requirements, but we're taking that one step farther by saying that all turbine sites lighting must be radar activated. It's um, a relatively new technology, new meaning about 2016. The FAA has regulations on, they call it ADS, um, radar activated, where if a um, plane gets within, it's about a two and a half mile radius, those lights will begin to blink. Motion sensing. Radar yeah. sensing. Yeah, radar yes. is the method. Yes, so that um, planes are safe, but it's not a constant bothersome, even if there aren't planes nearby blinking. There was a significant amount of community concern about you know, the character of the area and it's a thing. You see a field of those blink. It's a thing. Driving mm -hmm. through I-70 westwards, Colorado, seeing all the lights right. at nighttime and feeling disoriented yeah. or otherwise sort of creeped out. Out of sorts. <laughs> so um, we're proposing maybe radar activated. It is an additional um, step that the applicants <clears throat> need to make. You know, it may not be the cheapest option for them, but it Staff is proposing that it's the right option for the character of the community and the. I don't, I don't want to bog it down, but the radar activator is just in a sphere from the aircraft itself. It so is. If the aircraft is above a certain height, it won't correct. activate. It's uh, if the flying below an altitude of twenty five hundred feet, and then it's within a radius of two and a half miles. Okay. So the closer we are to flight patterns for landing or takeoffs, the more they'll be Correct. up. Yeah. But it is, though, the alternative is that constant blinking. Mm -hmm. Because the FAA does require lighting. Right. Staff is interested in proposing this mitigation technique to that constant. Thanks for finding that. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a tool from Boone County that we used in those regulations that I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, Again, for sake of time, I'm sorry if it feels like I'm rushing. That's not my intent. Um, uh, another performance standard that staff is proposing, previously in the regulations, there wasn't standards regarding noise. It would have been at that CUP open hearing process, staff in the commissions deciding if they wanted to implement regulations. We're proposing both uh, construction noise regulation as well as operational noise regulation uh, set that that noise shall not exceed 50 decibels measured at a property line of the nearest non-participating property owner. Um, that's again with the intent of not having uh, any additional adverse effects on those non-participating property owners who may not have interest in turbines on their property itself. Um, 50 is pretty um, standard across reading other regulations. Some folks will have it be 50 decibels at the dwelling that then requires, you know, additional, if you're non-participating, you may not be interested in having someone take a measurement at your house. The property line then gives that room to be on the participating property owners, take that measurement at that property line. So the source of noise from a wind turbine um, function of uh, wind resistance, wind hitting the turbine, or is there other mechanical Wind hitting it and the wake off of the sitting yeah. can cause some noise. There is some um, lower frequency noises that happen from the turbine itself, um, but it is more so that wind resistance. Sound is one of those things that we spent time, a lot of time um, with county staff talking about um, what is the right number 
Um, each community is going to have to decide that for itself. We've given you a recommendation here in the regulations. We've taught, we spent a lot of time talking with county staff. How do they actually enforce that? Um, so uh, that's, that's really where we came to the property line decision because they would be able to have permissions to go to the property line of, of the participating property um, and be able to do some measurements there. They may have to invest in some equipment to be able to do some of that. Um, we, we try to have some comparisons of what does 50 decibels sound like and, and CC came up with, with the example of a really noisy dishwasher. Not um, the noisiest you've ever heard. Not like clanking, like, oh my gosh, it's my been dying. But like inefficient dishwasher. Um, noise is such that it's exponential in growth. So um, 50 decibels to 60 decibels. 60 decibels is double that of 50. So um, in researching noise, that isn't always forthcoming. You know, 60 decibels is about um, a coffee shop conversation. Um, or a window unit air conditioner, that 50 decibels was also, um, we had a brief conversation with members of the industry in talking about is 50, can you meet that? Um, and they had said that 50 decibels, they measured it at a dwelling. It'd be interesting to know what the decibel level of a dwelling would be relative to the same uh, amount of noise at the property line from winter because <laughs> there's going to be sound but if it is the function of wind going across the structure there's there's sound coming from that too well you know and we we also talk about sound um in people that are new to to rural living um and there's been an active uh -huh. farm for years um the combines and, and the mechanical equipment that's associated with active farming can be quite loud and a nuisance to someone who is not used to that kind of sound. So sound can be really subjective. Um, and the 50 decibels is meant to work in concert with that setback that it has to be 1500 feet from that property line. And in addition, we've written some sort of fail safes within the recommendations that they'll act in good faith and if any mitigation techniques such as landscaping walls um, up to removal of the turbine may be required at, um, I believe it's county discretion, county commission discretion, but so, we've written those things in trying our best to make sure that if in a bad situation, we can take action. So let's make a decision on meeting time. We've got seven minutes and we have to hard vacate the room. Um, how much time do you think you have left in probably north? We've reached the entirety of the key changes. Um, before you the map you can look at while we're having the rest of the discussion, if you'd like, we have a proposed calendar moving forward. We'd like to talk to you about, but as far as time. Let's run through that. We have until nine. Right. Yeah, I thought we had till nine. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we do have, the room is, is booked at, it goes till nine and the next one can be got time. This is why people drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry. I apologize. I was, I was rounding my head. I thought we were already at nine. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, back up. Yeah, yeah, back up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Oh, sound. Um, yeah. So, welcome, sound. We can talk about it more at the 19th or 
otherwise. Um, I guess you can thank Jeff for this graphic. Uh, there was a request, what are the communities surrounding us doing? And because uh, CC excels at research, she, I swear, put this together in a matter of hours. I'm sure she took longer than that. I color-coded it, too. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at the counties surrounding um, Douglas, you'll see um, Jefferson, Miami, Franklin, all permit commercial turbines. I have a quick reference sheet of some of each of those counties' regulations. If the commission is curious on what does Miami County do or whatnot. Leavenworth has overbats because while they permit commercial turbines within their regulations, they have a maximum height set to 200 feet. Maximum, maximum. And I did not find in my research that there was any actively commercial turbines being sold at that height. So there are regulations of such which permit it by language, but then may not permit it yeah. by the standards that they use. So that's, that's effectively zoning out the land use. And, and we'll talk about this when we touch on moratoriums in a minute as well. Um, if we are setting regulations so restrictive that it's impossible for the use to be located in Douglas County, <coughs> that's, a, that's a different discussion that we need to have. Osage County also has a funny little color to it because um, Osage is mentioned a lot within articles as having a ban, having a moratorium that they've been turned into. A, um, they do use the language outright to say that they prohibit alternative energy sites within Osage County. However, in digging into their regulations, they do have some personal windmill allowances. That's why Osage they prohibit solar as well. The, uh, they're all, they're big coal. The thing that they've announced is that they prohibit alternative energy systems. Um, <laughs> really? And uh, I've gathered, energy though. Yeah. All right. <laughs> into the regulations from these counties if you're interested in seeing how they're written out. I'm happy to provide one dot Johnson. What buttons? Beautiful. <laughs> 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 the Kansas. Permit personal In Lyon County and Coffee County, and both of those have active wind farm sites. Those are the closest to Douglas County. Um, Coffee County having 95 turbines in their wind farm, Lyon County having 61. Interestingly, both of these counties, Lyon and Coffee, are part of the Telegrass Heartland Wind Moratorium, which was a moratorium adopted in 2004 by Governor Sibelius. Um, and it's been continuously adopted since that by all of the governors at that time, or since that time. The blue highlighted Douglas County, so you can see that moratorium goes into part of Shawnee. And I'm gonna flip back real fast. Is that basically Shawnee County is that yes. designed to protect? Okay. Correct, yes. Um, Shawnee County is the only county we were in discussion with their county planning director. They've had a great deal of turnover within planning directors and um, I think they're a little bit waiting to see what we do. The regulations, but they've not yet had any regulations on personal or commercial wind turbines, and they're a part of that. And uh, before we leave, I want to make a, a statement, and I'm going to say this multiple times throughout any public meeting that we have. There is no active request from any 
energy provider for a wind farm in Douglas County. Do we know if they're up buying leases or not? There seems to be some we issues. we are we are hearing of that activity. Okay, just okay. so are. So there is yeah. just there are. Is clearly interest. I I do not have direct knowledge, so that's why I'm being a little hedgy. Gotcha. But there is no application submitted. These regulations are not proposed for any particular yeah. provider. And Charlie, these okay. options for leases are not actual leases. They're getting trying to get them to sign contracts. Options. Yes. Right. Okay. That's what that's what they were doing with solar. Yes. And then before we leave moratoriums, um, in in um, the county commission considered a Met Tower as a temporary business use at a recent meeting, and one of the questions um, <laughs> was asked about moratoriums. And John Bullock, the county counselor, um, responded to that. And again, I would I would um, reiterate some of the things that he was sharing with the commission, that a moratorium is not the tool to use. You do not have this example notwithstanding. Um, you don't use moratoriums consecutively to prevent the land use. If the moratorium, if, if the intent is to have the moratorium and keep going through this process of, well, we're still working on it, we're still reviewing it. Again, that's a different discussion if the use is, if, if the intent is for the use to be prohibited, then the better goal is to make a text amendment separate from this process to say this is a prohibited use in, in the zoning regulations. So that's much feel about moratoriums and I'm done. And a great point considering there were quite a few members of the community who uh, their only public comment might be like, I expect you to enact a moratorium on turbines. And so we'll do our best to um, actively educate the public on why we're doing what we're doing and how these uh, revised regulations really act in benefit of the community to make sure that there are more strong standards to protect them and protect the character of the area. You might have said this, but if, if we pass both the personal and the commercial, as it's written here, just a magic matter, would our color coding be the same as Leavenworth? Green with yellow dots? It would be green. Okay, yeah, so green commercial permitted also includes personal permit. Correct. Okay, Correct. gotcha. Leavenworth. Uh, this is at the maximum. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. <laughs> This is sort of at their maximum, what do they provide? Um, you sort of started to touch on this. So um, for a while now, um, the public has, uh, members of the public have been reaching out to staff and to commissioners and to counties and staff asking some different questions. And we'll see some of those communications um, in your packets when that gets posted of, of some of the email chains that we've had a little bit. And they touch on lots of different things. Um, and so we, we tried to um, do the research into the questions that are being asked. Some of it actually ends up being part of the regulation. Some of it is, you know, refer to the, to the website. Um, the website was a fairly recent 
uh, creation for us. And I think it's going forward throughout this process. I think it's going to be a very good tool. We're finally at a point where we've got something to share. Um, we've tried to make it clear to the public when they, they they've asked. Um, the county has in its code regulations permitting wind farms today. What we're discovering, and, and especially through the work that the commission did for the solar, was that um, there, there, there was just a lack of clarity um, in that we, we moved through that regulation fairly quickly. Um, it relied so heavily on the conditional use permit um, process that we, we just didn't take the time to, to do this kind of thing. So. Um, that's where we're at there. Um, the greater setbacks, obviously, um, that's that's going to be coming from residents who are not participating, who have no interest in this particular use. Um, noise and lighting are significant concerns, as you can imagine, from the public. Uh, decommissioning and, and reclamation. So we've spent some time talking with the public about that. Um, the tall grass prairies, you know, when we think of prairies, we think of plants with long, 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 long root structures. Um, I talked with probably three different people with NRCS um, and about the different programs that they have with plants. And it was really fascinating. Um, our prairie grasses and plants are amazing life forms. Um, they can live in a lot of varieties of soil conditions. And I, I didn't know that before this. Um, so that speaks a little bit to one of the standards in the, the reclamation. When a tower comes down, when a turbine comes down, how far do you have to remove the foundation? And a lot of these, these plants and grasses uh, can grow in four feet of soil or less. Um, so that was something that we talked about. Um, th that's one of the, the pieces in the code that you'll see is that the foundation has to be removed. I think we said four feet. Correct. And that's um, a standard across a great deal of regulation. How deep is the foundation? About eight feet is what we've heard. Um, in total. Is it realistic they would try to bust out just half the depth of that? I mean, is that a, is that a thing? Well, that's, that's going to be a requirement in the code that they would have to. Well, I, I get that they would be required to take at least four feet, but is that a, they would stop doing whatever they're doing at four Probably. feet? Um, Plastic. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have the opportunity. Uh, Next Era's reached out. Next Era had communications on the packet um, that you'll be given for the 19th Planning Commission meeting. Um, we'll have the opportunity to reach out to them and ask those sort of questions if it's of interest. Uh, staff can't really speak to it. We've just seen what regulations exist and what best practice states and that's the four feet decommissioning um, next steps okay after so the public comment period and the regulations were posted on december 7th about a week ago um the regulations are online have been sent to anyone please ask them ask of them from staff um, the public comments will be received and gathered um, for 60 days on this uh, proposed text amendment. Uh, that's until February 5th. Staff's plan is to, after that date, gather all of the comments and then do a 
pretty significant review. What are the main trends that we're seeing? Um, are there any pieces of the regula regulations that have um, tension points that we want to address? And um, let's see in the next slide sort of how we move after that February 5th meeting. We also have just confirmed through Sandy's kindness and goodness that we have a January 12th community meeting at the Greenbush School. Previously, so I haven't I haven't I haven't quite published that yet because I'm still waiting for the final paperwork to come back from the school district. Um, but both Greenbush and the school district have said yes. Um, so they they have their pieces that they have to do. Um, but as soon as I get that paperwork and and whether or not I get that in the next couple of days. We'll, we'll be ready to so planning staff is the host of that meeting staff will be hosting it it is a public meeting um, we want to make sure that the public knows it is not the formal public hearing that is your role that this is an opportunity for staff to present this information as well as um, dig in a little bit more to the regulations but then also for us to listen um, and we want to be really active listeners to the public what their issues and concerns are um, making it, you know, very clear that, you know, while there's obviously somebody out there showing some interest, we have a Met Tower. We know that Nextera is getting ready to make application, or they may have just made application for a second Met Tower. Um, so, so there's very clear interest, and so we want to make it. Uh, give people assurance that this is about the regulation and how the land use is regulated, not that we were reviewing any one particular application. Um, so we'll be able to the What's the staff recommendation in, uh, to receive? Just to receive, review, to begin the process, yes. begin the public process. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So this is the calendar that we've laid out. Um, I know that we've um, been working on this for a year and we've got a few more months yet. And these next steps are really to have um, at least a couple of um, public engagement opportunities. One is an evening meeting at the school in January, but then we also want to hold an open house that we'd be doing here in this building that covers um, some daytime hours. If if people can't do an evening meeting, they can maybe come um, here during the daytime. Will this be posted on the new website? Mm -hmm. yeah. Can we integrate non-staff hosted meetings? Any, you know, any group that's out there that's holding a meeting, that's holding a town hall on this, could we find that information and put that on the calendar as well? Because there aren't staff sanctioned, they don't know how appropriate that might be like if we are um emphasizing any particular interest point you could you don't be. want to do that I, I get that concern but i'd also love for do everything we can to to make sure people feel like we're supporting conversation that and that so all of us can well, can know so you know, we can what we up. can do is we can talk with um our communications staff and find out the best way to go about doing that um, so that we don't muddle things too much. Um, I, I want to make sure that, you know, what staff work, I don't, I don't want some, some special interest out there saying or advertising staff meeting. 
and, and sure. that kind of thing. So I, I think there's want to talk just, with our about the, yeah we can the we can we can think about it yeah. and we can talk with okay. our um, communication staff and get some good guidance about how to, how to do, do. Uh, how to make it interactive. Okay. Um, and I might also add too if they're public if they're meetings that are open to the public we can add them to our planning commission agenda so that um, you know we've gotten that proper notice so that we, that you all can attend without uh, coma issues. So they'll be there too. Awesome. Is that been decided for meeting on the 20th? Um, that, yeah, I heard back that that is not a public meeting. And so that one we'll have to be careful about for Okay, so just tell you if we're going. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what's the, the, I'll come back to it later. Everyone, thanks. So within this proposed calendar, we are um, proposing four formal public hearings. It would be the December planning commission meeting starting at uh, January would be to update the planning commission on that community meeting we held at Greenbush and then to continue public hearing, give folks additional opportunity to speak, as well as uh, making sure that they're aware that the public comment period is closing um, for the regulations themselves. Then we have that open house that we'll be holding here. And then in February, proposing we present to the planning commission what we heard. It's after that public comment period closes. We can tell you what the findings were and have a discussion on how the regulations might change. And then up to that point, up to mid-February, we're not proposing to bring forward another draft. It won't be until after we've received all of the public comments that at this point we're proposing to write a second draft that would be then discussed potentially at the mid-month in March and then present the final draft at the planning commission meeting March 20th, and that would be the final public hearing. It's a lot of things right after the other. Recognize that. I'm interested to hear what y'all think about this general calendar. get to talk now. <laughs> we, have, we have 20 minutes. <laughs> All right. Shadow Flickr uh, defined and I haven't recognized yet, but shadow length that's cast throughout the day is something that's taken into consideration as part of the plan. It is. It's both within the application. We are requesting information on what the expected shadow flicker might be and what that well might extend to, as well as we have regulations that state having found this will a, not be adverse. Having found a handy dandy online calculator, I can tell you just for today with the minimum size, which is about four hundred. Where did I write it? We're talking about the. Potential absolute maximum. potential maximum shadow flicker during the day because of the top length of the blades. Well, I'm just from the hub height of the minimum hub height size you said for today, it can reach up to a, a thousand feet. In 
terrain and weather, and there's a lot of things that come right. to play with that. But it will be absolutely an important part of what we're requesting information on from the applicant. Because one of the things we heard or found out during the solar is um, with regard to some of these issues with the, I guess maybe it was just online research, these turbines can be programmed to turn on and off at certain times. So to prevent that from impacting a, a house or whatever. Yeah. So those are, and, and since we're looking at the advanced technology, we're going to, lights are going to go on and off depending on where aircraft are. I mean, that, yeah. So this is, this is something. So in the regulations, you're going to have, you know, what are the thresholds? As we go through the conditional use permit process, and, and like CC mentions, you know, a lot of these calculators, I think, assume uh, flat terrain and, and don't take into some of those things. So um, perhaps as an example, we have an application and we're talking about it and uh, somebody has a neurological condition and, and this is really a problem and it's going to set off whatever that neurological condition is, could you put a condition to, to limit, you know, the, the turbine that's located at this point to some reduced threshold? Yes, you could do that as yeah, a I, as I'm just bringing that, that up so, because the shadow is, it can be perceived as an intrusion on yes. non- Yes. Um, in a non-participating land. We're never going to hide them. Yeah. So just for clarity, though, if it's a thousand foot max, does that mean that it wouldn't be a problem because of the fifteen hundred foot setback? Well, uh, maybe I had that number. Hang on. Um, about a light shadow or a noise shadow? Light, just light. Right now, no, no, no. I'm bad. I'm, it's ten thousand. Right. Okay. All right. I was going to say it's thirty thousand. It's thirty thousand um, feet. So. That turn in mind of shadow. That's huge. I'd also like to, in addition to um, what Sandy said, point you to within the performance standards, we have a set number. Um, turbine shall not be sighted in a manner that, or turbine shall be sighted in a manner that minimizes shadow flicker to less than 30 hours per year to any dwelling within the project area and surrounding area, including both participating and non-participating. 30 hours a year. So we'll, we'll have to be open to, you know, in, because... The way you set this up is great. I'm glad you worked with the county because you tracked and you've done all the research that we had to do for, for solar <laughs> on the fly. But um, can I ask quickly about the shadow flicker before you move on? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I that was came up at a community meeting that I was at a conversation I had was about you mentioned the seizures and uh, neurological things, and one of the the um, research papers that I dove into looked. They, they qualified what would impact somebody who had a condition was the speed. And so they limited the speed of the term of the spinning. So is there a reason why you're looking at number of hours versus maybe looking at the speed we of the trends? Tools that the county had a means to measure um, and that the um, best practice standards across reading dozens and dozens of communities um, sort of brought forward. Mm -hmm. I didn't see speed regulated frequently. It was something from the Epilepsy Society. They had done some research on that in and, terms of it and had, and they, so they were recommending a limitation on the 
or certain frequencies. Frequencies, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. We also, uh, in the regulations as proposed, include within the visual impact, within shadow flicker, calling out to say, operator shall avoid causing unreasonable adverse shadow flicker effects at any dwelling located. I think there is room for the commission once or if an application were to come in that you can use those sort of tools with that discretion mm -hmm. to your advantage and to then within the performance standards, even after something's been approved and built, you can use the tools that we've tried to give uh, in order to say, you're causing um, unreasonable adverse reactions. Let's look at this again. How can those be mitigated? It may be landscaping, it may be a wall, it may be that that turbine was located in a location that ultimately has too many adverse effects for the community. Yeah, which is the kind of comment, you've got enough built in here that when there is a, finally an application, there's enough leeway to call in experts and everything else. And these experts are at the applicant's expense again. Correct. Okay. Written that bring, into the regulation. Bring, bring those in to deal with any specific identifiable issues. Would it be your well, preference? I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Those qualified professionals making those, um, taking those measurements, right. doing the sort of work that the county or city staff are able to. Um, we also define that those qualified professionals have to be approved by the Board of County Commissioners. Yes. There's worry on professionals being one-sided or having special interests in mind. We're trying to combat that with as many tools as we Throughout our hours of meetings with county staff. <laughs> so, yes. Throughout um, our meetings with county staff, um, and, and Tanya and her group probably got tired of me asking the question, can you enforce that? Uh -huh. we, 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 we talk about something and we say, okay, what if the regulation looked like this? My comment would then be, can you enforce that? Is this enforceable? Um, practically, and there were many times where county staff is going to have to rely on outside professionals to help them do some of those determinations. Um, they don't have the technical qualifications. We don't have the technical qualifications to be able to do some of that. You're going to have to bring in um, those, those other professionals for that. That's the nature of this kind of use. So we spent a lot of time talking about that and that the burden of that cost shall be on the applicant operator. And just and with the current regulations that already exist, we don't have this type of flexibility to fine tune anything, do we? It's far more challenging mm -hmm. under the current regulations because they were drafted so broadly that, um, you know, we would have had to be very far thinking to structure a condition to allow us to do the things that in this regulation is trying to add some predictability. Applicant, you're on notice that if this is a problem, staff has, we can point to the code and say, this is, this is a problem, you applicant have to mitigate it. What is your mitigating technique? And if, if A, B, and C don't work and the mitigating technique is stop the turbine from spinning, 
or remove it, that is a possibility. That, that point three on there, I guess the question I wanted to ask is, would you prefer to have um, an undefined standard so that operator shall avoid cause, uh, causing unreasonable adverse shadow flicker? There's a, there's a set of things in there, each one of them, depending on how it's defined. There, there's gonna more, change there's change more later on in what they're looking at distances and, and such like that. But yeah, there's some of both. It just really it comes down to who's in office and who's enforcing at any yeah, time. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my point. So I, I'm not challenging it, but I'm really just genuinely no, asking I mean, the question. No, that's either a, leave it. It's a conversation. Or should, I think we, in solar, we went to some pretty great lengths to, to put some some numbers in there and then just, and then made a conscious decision on where we said we would allow a variance from. In some case, we said no variance at all. Those are things we should look at between now and Monday night. So we can have the, the bigger conversation Monday night and start raising other questions yeah. to look at. And if it's now on Monday, have questions for staff. You have research projects, you have things you want us to look into or otherwise consider. Um, I'd like if you could email or get those in writing and I'll do my best to make you ready for that between now and Monday. Hmm. Just the which probably isn't enough time to actually get you good questions and give you time to answer by Monday, but there are things that we'll get. And, and I think by spreading out this conversation um, over the next couple of planning commission meetings, mm -hmm. you're gonna have that opportunity. You know, This is my off the top of the, the head kind of question. Um, two days later, you're gonna think of something more formulated and we can, we can be collecting those and being prepared for the next update in January, February. I appreciate it. It all looks very doable, very well thought out, and most of the hard work's done. So it's uh, much, you know, and quite frankly, much of the hard work was done um, with Mary and the steering committee in solar. Um, so we we had the advantage of being able to draw on that, and that was part of the direction from the commission to bring into that um, the regulation, the alignment that you were looking for, and then and being able to draw on on CC's experience with Boone County, and that was a, a highly regulated um, piece of code that was prepared, so. This can seem like deja vu, but we have seven minutes yes. before, before we have a hard stop. Um, yes. I have a quick specific please. question. Yeah, please. On, uh, just because there, yes, this is great. Thank you. Because um, I know the big thing that's gonna come up, of course, is setbacks. Can you tell me quickly how you came up with the 1500? Where does that come from? Use the previous regulations as um, a measurement from any dwelling. So started at that, um, and then we looked at other regulations. Um, many of them use the maximum height and some percentage of that height, mm -hmm. but then that's a harder number for folks to feel comfortable with their grass because they don't know how tall those turbines might be. Um, 1,500 also was a solid middle ground, a little bit in the higher range of middle ground reading through dozens of regulations. And county used 1750s. That was a like six hour long commission meeting where people were throwing out different numbers. Mm -hmm. 1500 was just what staff thought both using the previous regulations, finding a space to then start the conversation. You absolutely have room if you'd like to 
make change in that or propose different things, but do you think No, I, I think um, some of the things that we've put in the code are kind of starting points. The, the uh, 80 meter hub height, um, the 1500 setback, um, something we didn't touch on is the notice boundary. We are doubling the notice boundary for an application. That's significant. Um, you know, should it be two miles? Should it be five miles? Um, two it, miles what we have in the regulations that we proposed today. It was previously yeah. one mile. So well, I'll give Michael a chance, but <laughs> uh, um, wind farm size by contiguous acres at all. We do not have a maximum project area. There are a lot of other regulations that I think will come into play where they can't get so close to the Santa Fe Trail and they can't get too close to an environmental thing of this nature. Um, um, so okay. I think that it'll well, naturally work. So that's something. I've been, let's bring a process question. Um, those of us who have been faithfully, silently writing questions, um, <laughs> and, and we don't really have time to post, uh, to share those. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if this is a, an appropriate question for the uh, for the hearing. But I'm really curious. I mean, you, you've based a lot of this on your experience, on experience with solar. But I'm curious, like what kind of toolkits you might have used, what, what kinds of sources those are from and how they differ. So that can be maybe a discussion for another for another meeting. But we can, give you, um, we can go over that on the 19th of the source. Okay, so um, yeah, all of all of this harkens back to Department of Energy to Fantastic. Um, <laughs> resources. I mean, so there's a lot of sites that we used to, to get at. This information. Um, there's a lot of sites out there that I would say are very credible and reliable. There are other sites out there that probably have a little bit of an alarming. Um, sure, on both sides, you're a commercial so interest groups. So aware of those, so you know we we tried to go to everything that was science based. We didn't use um, those more like personal anecdotal or the. Um, those three main manufacturers, I wasn't relying on their information that they were proposing. Mm -hmm. um, I've really, really pushed hard to use like government-based documents, accredited studies, and those things of that nature that we've been gathering, but we'd be happy to share. So just everybody knows we got about a minute. We got to clear the room. Yep. And I went, so I got a hard copy and went through yep. and wrote lots of things in here. May I just you bring yours on Monday? Give you this yes. from your question on Monday. You, you want to make a copy? copy? It was yeah. back to yeah. And then I will have less than then I will have other yes. things that I write right on That's fine. Um <clears throat> I'd rather hold on to it since I can yeah it's just two questions. Sorry Michael. Okay. Thank you.